0: a little Kokomo Friday here on a Thursday. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball today, December 10th. Frank Sample joined as always by Scott White, a little Dynasty talk here today on the podcast. Speaking of which, Scott, where did you wind up finishing in the Dynasty League that is named after you, Scott White?
1: I finished first, third third consecutive championship in the Scott White Dynasty League. I believe that makes it a Dynasty and considering it's a 24 team league,
0: okay, feeling pretty good about that. All right, I see. Uh, I see how this one's gonna go. I, I don't have like a, bedumpch sound effect here uh, on my on my little soundboard here, but if I did, I, I would, I would, uh, I would definitely play it for you. And I heard a little mm-hmm. rumor out there. Scott is. Uh, is it true that you might you might be trying to get me try and get me into your dynasty league? Is that is that ah, possible? Uh yes. There's at least one opening
1: in, mm. of the. Among the twenty-four teams, and I would say Frank Stample is uh, high in the queue for that opening. Oh man! I mean, how 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 are we supposed to talk about it on the podcast as often as we do <laughs> if if the host isn't even in it? You know, like I could never get Adam Azer in it. So hopefully, I can at least get Frank in there. Adam was unwilling, by the way. It wasn't. I couldn't find a spot for him. He could have gotten in on the ground room floor, and he chose not to.
0: Boo! Boo Adam! Boo that man! Alright, so forget about him. Uh, hopefully I can get a spot in there. I would appreciate it. Scott, we talk about it quite a bit. Um, but I find it a little fishy that you keep winning a Dynasty League that's named after yourself. We'll save that for <laughs> another time, though. And look, if we're going to talk Dynasty, I-, I thought of who I consider one of the best fantasy baseball minds out there and one of the best Dynasty minds just in general. Joining the show today is is Ian Khan also actor. Two weeks in a row, we had Ellen Adair on last week. Uh, you might have seen Ian on Turn, Washington Spies, which is currently on Netflix. Go out and watch it. Shameless, Dawson's Creek, back in the day. Many other shows. Go check out his IMDb page. Uh, but mentioned, great fantasy baseball player. We're in a few leagues together. Guy just dominates in auction leagues. Uh, I know that you won Tout Wars, head-to-head, points league back in 2019 as well. Dynasty contributor over at RotoWire. And you can listen to his podcast. He is actually on a podcast with Nando DeFino, who used to be on this podcast, Under the Radar. Ian Kahn, welcome to the show. What's up, man?
2: Hey, Frankie. Hey, Scott. Nice to be on with both of you. Frankie, nice to be back with you again. It's back, back, in, the, back in the saddle, as they say.
0: Back in the saddle, indeed. And a Yankee fan. It's nice to have a fellow uh, one of those here. Make sure, <laughs> make sure you follow Ian on Twitter, at Ian Kahn. That's kahn 4 Ian Confor on Twitter. Uh, I, I, I got to claim
2: one thing, Frankie. What do you yeah, got? Stop do you got? My father grew up in Washington Heights, New York. When I was born in 1972, a Yankee hat went on my head. If you know about the Yankees in 1972, it was not necessarily the most glorious of ages. Then I lived through the dirty years of the 80s. If you had Dallas Green as a manager in 1988, you're with me. If you had Steve Kemp attempting to play first base. You are with me. If you had Ken Griffey trying to play first base, you are with me. Yes, indeed. From 96 through 2009, it was a golden age, and it's been great to raise my two sons as Yankee fans. But I come by this by birth, not by choice.
1: What we have here is a long suffering Yankees fan. (laughs) it's like it's like being a patriots fan before belichick
2: got there right like there's there's a little i will tell you from 72 to you know i was i remember being five one of my earliest memories of my life was my father having my older brother and i stay up late to watch reggie jackson watch game six of the world series in 1977 so i'm five years old and i remember reggie raising his third finger right and rounding the bases, and going this is the best and 78 and then it sort of set my terms for life because when you were in an experience where Billy Martin and George Steinbrenner are your manager and owner as you're growing up as a child, you actually think you're going to get back together with every girlfriend as you move forward in life. Why? Because they kept getting back together. So it's like, I oh, will break up, but we'll get back together. We'll work it out. It doesn't
0: work like that in life.
2: And I've now learned that five times managing the same team is a unique experience and not something that one should expect.
0: Uh, yeah. Admittedly, I am one of those uh, fortunate Yankee fans who, I mean, I've just been spoiled my entire life. So I can't really. I, I have no defense. At least you, I appreciate. Uh, you know, the it's suffering you, that like you went four?
2: through. You were like four years old when they won the first championship. Yeah, Is I that mean, correct.
0: I, I can't really appreciate it much. But 2009, oh. you know, I was old enough. I went to the parade. I enjoyed that. So, um, yeah, good times. Good times. I got indeed. jeans
2: older than you, pal. <laughs>
0: Uh, And if you haven't noticed by now, uh, we are going to uh, rip apart Ian Khan's Dynasty ranks. Not really, though. We're going to talk about a few things that he has in his ranks and just ask him some uh, general philosophy questions for Dynasty because, Ian, I know, like, I've heard you talk about this stuff, and, like, I do think that your brain just operates on a different level when it comes to Dynasty. So I do appreciate that. But before we get to that format, I mentioned you won Head to Head Points Dynasty, uh, Dynasty, Tout Wars, in 2019. Yeah. And...
2: We you bring did, it up, aren't you?
0: We, we just did our uh, head-to-head points mock draft recap on yeah. Tuesday. So is there any tips and tricks for that format before we actually get see into Dynasty? What I, what I, I'm, I'm, definitely, I'm definitely not just what, like picking I, your brain because we play in a league together or anything like that. What
2: I thought you were going to say, Frankie, was I thought you were going to talk about the fact that I was about to be back-to-back winners of Tout Wars Head-to-Head. And then on the very last day, I got caught from behind and ended up tied with Ariel Khan who beat me by, out of, I think, 4,800 points, beat me by about 72 points. And it would have been a back-to-back championship in my first two years in Tout Wars, which would have been pretty spectacular. I would have been very happy about that. It was a tough loss. I thought that's what you were going to say because you were in the room and you you had a good year. You had a good year in your first year. I appreciate um, that. Head-to-head. Head-to-head's fun. I enjoy head-to-head. It's a fun league. I also enjoy the league that we do GDD with Steve Kaz. That's a really fun league. Um, head to head tips. Um, yeah, I have a tip trade well, but that's my tip on all of it. That's the <laughs> game trade. Well, figure out what your opponent, your part, your trading partner needs. We've talked about this before and work from that perspective, try to see how your team can get better and their team can get better. And then when I find it, I'm not going to tell you this, Frank, cause you can use this against me next year. I would never, but yeah, you do it every year. You do it in GDD. <laughs> don't, of course you're going to do that. Um, but that—that's—that's that's one of my big tips. Of course, pitching in most head-to-head leagues is very key. Really depends on the settings of your league, and uh, in our particular settings this year, it's hard to keep—hard to remember. It was really—it was a hitting-dominated league this year, whereas last year it was very much a pitching-dominated league. I did take a look at your head-to-head draft, the mock that you guys did. I looked through Scott's team. Uh, it was interesting, and I had a couple of questions about that if we have time. Um, but at the—but at the same time, but at the same time, I think with head-to-head. Um, it depends. If it's head-to-head points, it's one thing. If it's head-to-head categories, it's a different game. So I, I, you know, I think pick well. Very different game. Yeah. Yeah. Pick well and be and be mindful. Be mindful and 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 pick guys that you like.
0: Yeah, that's the that's the key. And I, I know a player that Scott likes for head-to-head points leagues is Carlos Santana, which brings us to our news and notes. And mm-hmm. we talked about him on Tuesday, and you wound up with him as your first baseman, Scott. Carlos Santana signed a two-year, seventeen and a half million dollar deal with. The Royals, uh, his hard contact dipped this past season, but he underperformed his stat cast quite a bit. What do you think about the fit, Kansas City?
1: Oh, I was, I was very pleased to see this. Not so much because, you know, Kansas City is a special place for him or anything, but by giving him a two-year deal as opposed to a one-year deal, that shows a commitment that uh, I think I think tells us what their plans are for Carlos Santana, which is still an everyday player was no guarantee after he hit 199 and then the the Indians uh chose not to exercise the uh, the final year on his contract um but like it would have been a shame if if he got moved out as a full timer considering the Statcast data still looked great i mean his his uh exit velocity was lower than the previous year but if you look at his career as a whole like his expected stats on Statcast were very much in line with the rest of his career. And he led the majors in walks, so he still has the on-base skills, which is what makes him so great in, uh, in the typical points league. So it sounds like he's still going to be uh, someone who's very much in the mix in that format at least, and somebody who I think you'll do fine with as your starter in that format.
0: Sticking in the American League Central, the White Can I sides- say one thing about that, Frankie? Yes, you can. I
2: just want to say something about the Royals. I think it's a good fit. I do. I think it's a good fit for the Royals. I think it's I think it's a good price. 2 years 17 million is a good. He'll bring some leadership to the clubhouse, which is which is great. But from a fantasy perspective, there's some frustration on my part. And the frustration is I'm a big Hunter Dozier fan. I like Hunter Dozier, and I I really thought that we were going to see a big drop in his value what he in his output last year. But one thing he was doing, he was running. He was running more than I expected. He had four stolen bases. And if you think about the fact that he came into the season a little bit late with the power that he has and with the speed that he has, I thought with O'Hearn there, who also turned it on quite a bit in the just the late part in late August and in September, I thought that they were going to go with a little bit more of a flexible offense, and it's just taking up a spot, you know, I was kind of interested to see what Franchi would do. So now it's like, it's, it's, it's that situation where you got a couple too many guys for too many spots. Now I do think he's going to, I think, I think Santana is going to play every day. And I think Santana's is going to be a centerpiece of that team. Uh, I just think that they're going to be a few less spots for other guys.
0: Uh, Sticking in the American League Central, the White Sox signed Adam Eaton to a one-year $7 million (laughs) deal, and roster resource has him batting second in the White Sox lineup, which would be quite bad for one Yohan Moncada. Ian, any interest in Adam Eaton? I mean, I don't think there would be one. You know what's
2: funny about that? I, the, the thing I think about with Adam Eaton now is Todd Frazier. I just can't get Frazier out of my head. I mean, a big part of the game, Frankie knows this, Scott, is a big part of the way I play the game is the way I, as, a, as an actor, I look at it from a psychological viewpoint, right? Like what's going on in the minds of the players and the owners and things like that. And it surprised me because the the vibe I got is that Frazier's a real good clubhouse guy and he was taking those shots at Eaton like Eaton was not a good clubhouse guy. So for Chicago to bring him back, it has a little vibe of like Chapman being traded to the Cubs and then coming back and getting giolito and you know that 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 great that great trade well, really for both teams i guess since the nationals did win a championship i think eaton's fine you know i mean if you're going to grab him as a fifth outfielder in a league or you know a bench player there's could be some upside i mean he was a nice fantasy player i didn't really look closely at his speed last year what is what is the what did the speed look like last year was he running i
1: he didn't he, I think he was three for three on steals. I mean he didn't get on base much last year yeah, he yeah, was, was he was three for, three for three out of um but I think in terms of like stat cast, they had him still in like the seventy fifth percentile for speed like it's it's still it's still something that can be part of his game you know he's never gonna be a guy who leads the league in steals but
2: oh, but he, you think he get him. Yeah, I mean, if he can give you fifteen to twenty, then yeah. he pops up to an outfield four for me, especially right. in that lineup. I like that, you know, and I like Timmy. I like I love that lineup before he showed up. I wouldn't be surprised if he was even at the bottom of that lineup, it's kind of t- kind of taking the Nomar Mazzara spot, uh, which of course would then drop some of his value. But yeah, it's fine. You know, it's fine. It's a, it's a, another good. I think we're going to say this a lot in this off season. There's a lot of good contracts for for major league teams right now.
0: Yeah, based on the way that the offseason is going right now, some guys might have to settle for uh, less than they expected and less than we're seeing players usually sign for. Uh, just sticking with the White Sox, I keep seeing reports that Andrew Vaughn, who is their top prospect, uh, is an internal option for their DH role this season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm, I, I, everyone's all mm-hmm. smiles. Everyone's excited mm-hmm. right now. Scott, <laughs> what do we need mm-hmm. to know about Andrew Vaughn?
1: Oh, he's he's one of the best hitting prospects there is. I mean, it's... It's rare you see a true first baseman go as high as he did mm-hmm. uh, in 2019. He was drafted third overall and could have gone first overall. I mean, it's that kind of skill set. It's like a, it's like a no doubt middle of the order bat, as much as you could say that about a prospect. Uh, and I would, you know, from the day he arrives, I would be excited about him making a contribution in fantasy. Yeah,
0: He's been and, there for a
2: long time.
0: Yes, and uh, with Vaughn, he has not played a game above high A ball in the minors, but apparently like he was with their alternate training ca- uh, camp site this year. And apparently he was just like lighting things up and, and he was really impressing coaches. And he, you know, he was competing against other high end minor leaguers, other potential major leaguers that they just had ready there. So, uh, you know, there he are some a eyes. little bit out of
2: the box. I mean, to be honest, I mean, in his, in his first year 2019, he did not like the league on fire, but the pedigree is there. And I'm a big believer in pedigree and the guy is there. He's the stuff.
0: For sure, uh, a few other small signings here. Matt Whistler signed with the Giants on a one-year, one and a half million dollar deal. He could so. be in the mix for saves with the Giants. But Gabe Kapler, mm. uh, your guess is as good as mine. With the sticking with potential closers, according to A's GM David Forst. Jake Diekman is the top candidate to fill their closer role internally. He was very good this past season. Of course, he's a lefty, and there's still enough time in the offseason where they could bring somebody else in, but uh, that is the name that they're looking at now if you're doing some kind of hard. he's,
2: he's, He's also mature, which I like. He's 34 years old, Diekman. And he he was fantastic last year. Whip under one. I think ERA like one point something. He he was really he was really special. He I think he's gonna I think he'll thrive in that role. I I think he will. And and in that again, small market team, small market team being able to pay the low prices, it it makes a difference.
0: Oh, we shall see what happens. I do want to remind everyone uh, we have a new podcast at CBS. If you're looking for a leg up on your bookmaker, we've got you covered on the Early Edge podcast powered by Sportsline every day. You can join Jonathan Coachman and an expert crew of Sportsline handicappers to break down the biggest games of the day. Every episode is 10 minutes or shorter and is in your feed by 11 a.m. Eastern time. If there's a sharp side to the action, you'll be armed with it. Go check out the Early Edge podcast podcast dynasty that was a pretty long introduction uh, but we're finally there we're finally going to get there let's start at the very top ian you have number one pick in a startup dynasty draft you can go a million different directions in a roto startup dynasty who would you take first of all roto average roto average
2: because i was thinking about if it was a head-to-head how it might change things and if it was head-to-head how I might go Juan Soto, because I really like Juan Soto. <laughs>
1: um,
2: right now at the top of my list is Fernando Tatis Jr. And there's an argument in my heart and in my mind over those top three players, which is Fernando Tatis Jr., Ronald Acuna, and Juan Soto. And really, I think it's taste as much as anything else. I'm a little worried about, it's. it's funny, I'm a little worried about Tatis long-term every once in a while, just in terms of the risks that he takes while he plays the game so in a way the safest piece there is Juan Soto for me Um, but if I'm going by my list I'm going with Fernando Tatis Scott what are you doing
1: I'm going to Cunha I'm going to Cunha just because there's a longer stretch of him doing something very similar to to Tatis and I don't really like the way Tatis closed out 2020 as brief as it was I mean he had like a month and a half where he was just blistering like the best player anybody had ever seen and then Kind of collapsed in September, which, you know, the final numbers still end up great. Um, but Acuna has done that sort of thing for much longer. So I go Acuna. But Tatis would probably be second if we're talking, if we're talking Dynasty, given how young he is, given that I expect him to be a contributor in stolen basis for a long time. I think you have the right three at the top. Thanks. I would just go Acuna over Tatis.
2: Yeah, um, my my problem with Acuna, it goes back to there's 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 a moment I have. Um, this is something I worry about with players, especially in dynasty, if they are a hot dog in too much, and you, Tatis could be called to be doing this too. Yeah, sure. I worry, I worry about getting hit by pitches in places that you don't want to get hit by pitches. You know, it's something about Acuna. I'm always a little bit worried about him. That I feel like somebody's going to go after him. It goes back to Jose Arena and the, and the Marlins. He's not with the Marlins anymore. So no, that. I know he's not with the Marlins. But but the point is that that that's that's just that one ding for me. And you can say the same thing about Tatis. It's, I, I ding those guys. I mean, Paul Spore gets mad at me every time I do it. But like when Trent Grisham hit the home run and then did the turn with Clayton Kershaw, I lost my mind. I was so annoyed about that. So I have a little I have a little old man yelling at get off my lawn to my game a little bit, a little bit. Um, but those are those are my top three, and uh, Mookie Betts. I moved Mookie Betts up to four ahead of Trout. I mean, the idea that Mike Trout is number five on this list is remarkable to me. Um, and uh, but 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 I think a real changing of the guard in the game.
0: Yeah, and I think, it's, I think it's fair, especially in Roto. Yeah, I mean, you see in the NFBC and it's a little bit different because National Fantasy Baseball Championship, people are more aggressive on steals and there is an overall component. So people are trying to, to get speed in their lineups. But I mean, I'm seeing drafts there where Trout's going fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth because people want I, speed. And I'm in one right now
2: because yep. I'm doing it because at the XFL auction for that was Saturday night. Great room. The best Chandler, Ron Chandler, Todd Zola, Brian Walton, like the old, like the godfathers of the game. And only one of the owners could do the, the auction. So I'm watching Steve do the auction. And I was like, I'm just doing a 150. I just got to get this out of my system. Troutsk went nine. He went nine. I couldn't believe it. Nine. I mean, and I can measure my way towards that. But I was I wanted to get the fifth pick because I would I felt great that if Trout fell to me at five I was going to be delighted. So
1: so just that that's a dynasty startup you're talking. No 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 about.
2: this is a this is just a redraft, a redraft. Yeah, yeah no it's just a redraft yeah that no, doesn't
1: make any I, I I that doesn't compute for me at all.
2: No it went I think well let me let me think I think it went Acuna Tatis Soto, um Bets Turner, for the speed speed Cole de Grom, Bieber Trout. And I was at 15. I got the wheel, which I yeah. tend to do just so that I only have to be, you know, have to really focus on it 25 times instead of 50 times. <laughs> Go, ahead, friend. Go ahead, Scott.
1: To, to me, it's a toss-up between Trout and Soto, who steals the most bases this year. So I don't know why Soto is getting that presumption there that Trout isn't. I mean, Trout had a stretch earlier in his career, a couple years where it, looks like the steals, it looked like the Steels were trending down, and then they came roaring back right after. So I... I don't think you can try, I don't think you can count on a more than like ten to twelve steals from Trout anymore. Yeah, that's but, right. Um, it's not a foregone conclusion that that's all who he that's all he is now.
2: No, that's true. But but to show you how I how valued I put one of the one of the guys that people ask me about on this list is Alberto Mondesi, who I have at twenty nine. I think twenty nine. And,
1: and I like that you list him as Raúl Mondesi Jr., which is well. which is a throwback name that's what he used to go by
2: yeah um so people people are asking me about that i'll tell you something every single league that i was in last year the player who had maybe not in the scott white dynasty league but in every other league that i was a part of whoever had that player won the championship Hmm. and to me also, just based on what he did, yes, we had, he had June, he had July, he had early August, but then he became by far the best player in, in fantasy for those last five weeks. Stole 20, I think 24 bases. Did he steal 24 bases in 60 games? And I, I think that's what it was. I think it was think 20, so, yeah. 24 bases. He got caught a couple of times, but he runs constantly changes the game. So James Anderson was like, James was like too high. I'm like, not. He's like, steals get old. I said, not yet. Yeah. Five years of him running. Yeah. And sure. There's the shoulder and there's always the, 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 the danger of injury. But my point was I got the wheel. I took Giolito at 15 for the fun of it. Cause I love him. And then I took Mondesi at 16, which is by far the highest that he's been taken. And I think in an overall, because if you're trying to win the overall of it, there's, there's upside
0: there because then you just got your speed.
2: And now if he gets hurt, it's over, right? Yes. Yeah. That's baseball. But if he doesn't, he's going to get you 60 seals.
0: Yeah, Mondesi is still just twenty-five years old, and he did steal twenty-four bases in thirty-two attempts, thirty-two attempts in fifty-nine games. Uh, over on Fangraphs, Steamer has him projected for fifty-four steals in one hundred and forty-nine games. Again, with a caveat that if he stays healthy, uh, you know, something I want to do on this podcast is uh, get to know Ian Khan. For everyone who's listening, you might you might not know much about Ian Khan outside of you know what I told you so far. You might have looked up his IMDb page while you're uh, while you're listening here, but. Uh, we're gonna to get to know you. So uh, every time I want to ask you a question, Ian, I will play your favorite, one of your favorite sound bites. Rear, sir, sir, sir. I
2: said <laughs> to
0: the rear, to the yeah. rear. That is Ian yeah. playing General George Washington. First question, Ian. Favorite movie of all time.
2: Hmm.
1: I thought we had lost you there for a second. No, 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 no. I'm just, I'm
2: giving it, I'm giving it, I'm giving it some, I'm giving it some thought. I got, I got some quick answers, right? You know, I got the quick ones, you know, Godfather two, right? Godfather two is right there. Um, minute run,
1: conventional answer.
2: Yeah. That's what I said. That's why I didn't want to go right down the middle with Godfather two.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm going to guess Euro trip is not on this list.
2: It's not on the list. (laughs) Could be, but it's not, not yet on the list uh goodfellas i think like, these are the movies that when they're on i'll watch mm. um so it's a lot of mob movies i don't know what the hell that's about but <laughs> the departed i like the departed a it's lot a it's a great one I, it's a great movie man it's a great film and um yeah let's just go with that goodfellas too i like all those
0: all righty fair to- scott do you have a favorite movie i don't i, I don't do. think i've ever asked you what is
2: it i do my favorite
1: movie is the prestige I'm I'm a big fan of Christopher Nolan's entire catalog, but that to me is the number one.
0: I don't think that I've seen it, but I've heard good things, so.
2: I just remember what my actual favorite
0: movie is. (laughs) What would that be?
2: It's not The Prestige, because that'd be fun, but it's not. It's Tootsie. Tootsie is my favorite movie of all time. If you said you could only watch one movie for the rest of your life, I would go with Tootsie. Another one I would go with is All the President's Men. I like that movie a lot. I want to try to watch that every year.
0: It uh, it fits the theme. All right. <laughs> uh, all right, so I wanted to ask you, uh, both of you really, because I, I've asked Scott about this before. I'm like, you know, how do you rebuild in a dynasty? And he goes, no, 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 no. You don't rebuild. You retool. So Scott, just remind us, refresh our minds. In your dynasty league, how do you stay competitive year in and year out? Because it seems like some people might play for a certain window of time and then think, all right, well, my team's getting older. You know, I got to ship these guys out and I got I to gotta rebuild my team from the ground up. You like to retool. What does that mean? Well, I, to put it more accurately,
1: I don't want to ever be in a position to rebuild. Um, now, that's easier to accomplish in, in certain setups for Dynasty than others. Uh, ones that have a salary cap system where you can get... Prospects, rookies, in for a very, very, very low price, like like Ian was referring to, getting Adley Rushman and who was the other guy Ian that you got Vaughn, one Andrew Vaughn, yeah, yeah Andrew Vaughn. Uh, it's easier to do in that than other formats because I mean you can set yourself up for a long time when you get a really good talent for that much lower than uh, than the elite talent normally goes for. Um, but the idea is to trade away players that you know you're not going to be able to afford to keep whilst so actually making yourself your team a little worse in the now so that you can feed it for tomorrow and just consistently do that consistently turn over the roster. Um, and if you're always playing for tomorrow, that way, if you're, if you're constantly playing for tomorrow, your team will stay Stay con- competitive today, and it like if you're constantly doing that, it'll it'll just be so bloated with talent that you don't even know where to put it all, because mm-hmm. you were consistent in that approach.
0: Ian, what do you think? When it when it's it a lot of to- different ways to do this. Yeah, no, a lot because- of different
2: ways to build dynasties. Okay. Tell me. I was fortunate enough, I took over. and In fact, I think Scott took over this team of mine um, that I shared with Tim McLeod and TDGX. So we drafted that team, and we won the first two years, his uh, 20-team league. We won the first year with 191 points. won the second year with 188 points out of 200. Um, then the third year, we came in second place. The fourth year, I got into a fight with one of the league mates while I was on set. And I said, I can't do this. There's no payment. I've already won the league twice. I don't need to keep doing this. Um, I did not that was,
1: realize that was your team I took over.
2: Yeah, that was my team. Clayton Kershaw. I'm trying to remember who else was on that team. It was a pretty good team. I, th- I thought it, we, we left it in decent shape. Quite yeah. good shape, I, th- I felt. No, it was um, in good shape. I, yeah. I didn't. I, <laughs> it,
1: <laughs> it wasn't my favorite dynasty league. And yeah, that they, they
2: could be a tough league. There's some players in that league who, who well, would not
1: leave you alone. It was a 24-team league. It was a 24-team roto league. So it was, you're either the best team or it's not
2: worth trying to compete,
1: you know? And so right. it, seemed like, it seemed like most teams weren't trying
2: to compete. That is correct. And, that, because, and what happened was we were the class of it for the first two years. And that, so that team was built from the original draft and then from trades, trades that I made. And what, what I do, I'll tell you my little trick. Well, there's a lot of ways to go with this. And there's another league that I built. And Frankie, we've talked about this league where I drafted in the, in the original draft, I drafted all prospects. All prospects. And then in the in late April and early May of that year, the first year, as soon as I saw teams start to fall down, because everyone's drafting for that year. I don't draft for the first year ever. I draft for the second year. I draft for the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, 10th. That's how I draft it. So then I can move one top bat for about four of their great players. We did that in RDI, James Anderson and I did. We drafted all prospects in our first year, 20 team league full industry. We finished in second place because I flipped people. We kept Bobuchette, we kept Royce Lewis. We didn't trade those guys, mm-hmm. but we moved AJ Puck. We moved, I mean, we moved every prospect that you ever heard of to get yeah. elite players because every the thing about dynasty leagues is you need to have you need to feel like you're doing something, you need to have a direction. My thing is, I get on the phone with people and I figure out what, it, what is it that you want? What is it that I need? How can we find a way to work together to find it? Now, once, let's say there's a, a league that I do with Alex Cushing, who's, I don't know if you guys know, you know Alex. Yeah. Frankie, you know Alex. Yep, yep. So Alex and I have Alex, is one of the best Dynasty League players. Alex is frankly one of the best fantasy baseball players. You would agree with that, wouldn't you, Frank? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, Alex and I have been going back and forth for the last eight years in one dynasty league. And one of us is winning. Sometimes I've gone two in a row. Sometimes he's gone two in a row. I'll I'll tell you a trade that I made two years ago. I just won the championship. I traded, it was, it was just before last season. I traded Charlie Blackman and Charlie Morton for the first pick in the first year player draft. I am not thrilled with who I picked. I also had the fourth pick. This is a different league where I have Adley Rutschman, which I got with the fourth pick. First pick I took Jason Dominguez, partially because of this, partially because of the hype. Homer. Yeah, it was a bit of a Homer pick. I could have gone Vaughn. I could have gone Abrams, frankly. Abrams is a guy who I freaking love. Um, but the point is that once you have that level of talent, we won, I won this past year. My partner, Robert Mershack, who I brought on this year because I got too many leagues. We won with 147 points out of 150. This is an industry league. This is a good league. It's a good league with good players it was my, it was our year and it was 60 games. So there was no coming back. Like nobody could fight, fight their way through. But the point is to always be building for the future. Always build for the future. I do believe that there are times to fully rebuild. When I took over that team in 2012, I took, I tore it down. And I actually reached out to Nando Dufino because I used to listen to the CBS uh, show when you were doing it, Scott, with Al and Adam and Nando. That's how I first started. That's how I was like, I love this. What a, you know, That was how I <laughs> began to learn the game in 2011, 2012. And I fully tore it down. I got myself Will Myers. I got myself Dylan Bundy. I got myself Jerks and Profar. I got myself the great prospects of that time. And I said to, I reached out to Nando DeFino, the famous Nando DeFino on Twitter. I said, I'm rebuilding for 2014. He said, 2014, what you, what you doing for 2013? That's how he talks. <laughs> Truth was, I did a full rebuild in 2013. And in 2014 was my first championship in that league.
1: Yeah. And it's no, all, I,
2: there I, is, I, there is a way to do that.
1: Yes i'm not saying there's never a time to rebuild because there is but mm-hmm. i'm saying once you do the rebuild once like particularly if you're taking over somebody else's team and right it's like they just didn't they just didn't nurture this team there's no future for it you got to rebuild but once you do that rebuild if you're nurturing it consistently you're mm-hmm. you say constantly build toward the future i say constantly play for next year i, th- I think we're
2: basically saying the same thing there you're um,
1: you know, some people the way they approach dynasty, they go all in for the current year. It's the biggest
2: mistake you can ever make.
1: And then they rebuild for the next three years and go all in for one year again. It's like And you the, better be right. Right, right. And you
2: know what? You know what's the key? You know what people don't understand to Dynasty Leagues? Is the wire. Because I remember in April of last year. No, 2019. Yeah, 2019. April of 2019. So it's two years ago now almost. God, I saw a report about Zach Gallen, this guy, Zach Gallen of the Miami system, who pitched Nine innings. Pitched a complete game and struck out fifteen. And I went, "What? That doesn't make any sense. How is a guy going to pitch? How How do they let him pitch nine innings in the first week of April? The last week of March? Dig into the numbers. Pick up Zach Gallon for a buck. Flip Zach Gallon for a better player, or hold Zach Gallon and or grow hold. him. Or hold them, and you have them at that very low and, salary to start. But at. see, yeah. I'm talking about the, the leagues that I've been doing for many years the, that I've had most success with yeah. in dynasty is pure dynasty. You buy, you own, you keep. There's mm-hmm. no salaries to these leagues. The XFL I just joined, right? And i played mm-hmm. keeper league here and there, but it's the, 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 the pure dynasty. Picking up Dylan Moore, I play in AL Labor and I found Dylan Moore in, I think it was the first week of August this year. I needed an outfielder. I needed a bat. You know, when you play AL only, you play an only league, you really have to focus on every player that's out there. And I was like, who's Dylan? Dylan Moore. I know Dylan Moore. What do you mean? He stole three bases this weekend and hit two home runs? The hell? How'd that happen?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: All right, I'm picking him up. Well, you know what? I'm picking him up there. I'm picking him up everywhere. Then I have yeah. Dylan Moore on every one of my teams. That's how you build. Then picked up Dylan Moore there, traded, flipped Garrett Hampson at the end of August in Devil's Rejects, which is another league, flip Garrett Hampson for a broken Steven Strasburg because the guy wanted a young bat. And I'm looking to compete next year. And I've got Dylan Moore to go into the Garrett Hampson spot. And now I've got Strasburg to go along with Nola and Maeda in a 20-team league. That's how you build. Mm -hmm. That's such a great point,
1: though, about picking up players in
2: season because, you
1: know, prospects... My point of view in, in most of the dynasty leagues I've played in is that prospects, the, the, the big-name prospects that are ranked in the top 100 at the start of the year, they tend to be overvalued. But new prospects emerge over the course of the season that weren't getting that hype at the start of the season. Mm-hmm. A guy like uh, you mentioned, um, uh, Zach Gallen, its a perfect example of that. But I've gotten guys in my dynasty league, Jack Flaherty, was an example of that a mid-season pickup who nobody was on at the start of the year Mm -hmm. Uh, mitch hanniger that year he broke out in the diamondback system i got him that way um i could probably come up with a few more examples but i'm blanking that like that that's a really good way to keep feeding the team without going out and acquiring the big prospect who you may have to give up
2: but then you could give three of those guys scott You can give three of those guys. You pick up those guys. Also, one of the key things is in September, when everyone else is focusing on football, I'm not focusing on football. I'm focusing on who's coming up now and getting some at-bats. And I'm Mm -hmm. stashing all of those guys in my minor league system Mm -hmm. because those are the guys who are going to get the starting jobs. There's going to be hype about them in the offseason. I'm going to package three of those guys to a rebuilding squad for that one pitcher who's really going to help me this mm-hmm. coming year it's really that wire people it's it's under people don't talk about it enough if you're yeah. doing your work and you're understanding what's happening out there in the baseball world you're constantly filling your team your team should be getting better every week every week there's somebody out there who can make your team better if you're yeah. if you're being wise about it, if you're really staying focused on it, if you care i'm obviously a little bit obsessed with it <laughs> so you know the, the success comes, comes from preparation happens. preparation is everything in life gentlemen Preparation is everything in life. Yeah. If you're willing to prepare and you're willing to do the work, you will reap yeah. the reward. Period. I, I mean, just in
1: fan, just speaking for fantasy in general, I, the best habit you can have in fantasy is to consistently play the waiver wire throughout the year. Um, because I mean, I I feel like as long as the baseball season is, it, it's a little different in a I guess in a true roto league where you have to you you might fall so behind in a particular category and rosters are so deep. But assuming you play in a league where there's an ample waiver wire, if you're constantly working that thing, like you you could start the year with a a crap team and it could end up you know sur you could end up surging into the playoffs at the end and 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 winning it all just by um. Just by paying attention and being active consistently. Like it's I, I feel like sometimes people make it harder than it is with all the uh, you know advanced stuff, which certainly helps helps you to understand what's going on with a particular player and can help you it, it can help refine those rough edges of your game. Yeah. But I mean, the the key to success in fantasy is just paying attention and being active and
2: There's no reason to ever be in sixth place or later. You don't right. have to be in the second second right. division. There are too many teams that are giving up. What Scott's saying is exactly right. You focus in, you pay attention, you find the guys you can climb. doesn't mean you're always going to make the money. doesn't mean you're always going to win. But there should really, you should always, if you're fighting to win, it's a long season. People get tired. People get bored. There's no reason not to be in the top half of your league because there are too many people who aren't.
0: Ian, you that know? reminds me. that That's a great point that you bring up. Rio, sir, sir, sir. I said
2: <laughs> to
0: the real uh Ian, what's your favorite band and or artist of all time
2: Beatles man I'm old and it's the Beatles for
0: me you're not that old
1: come on there are some old favorite movie picks there too so.
2: yeah it's true I'm, I'm you know I'm, I'm happily I'm a very happily married man which is which makes me uh quite fortunate so I get to spend a lot of time with my wife
0: we're, we're going to hit a quick break. When we return, we're going to do some uh, rapid fire. Some of these players that Ian is intrigued by in Dynasty, where he has them ranked, and what are his thoughts on them? We'll do that here, Fantasy Baseball Today. Warned by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The other day we did five topics in five minutes with Sky White, and we're going to do five players in five minutes right now with Ian Khan and talking about their dynasty value starting right now, all right, Ian, you already spoke about modesty, so I'm not going to ask you about him. I know that you are a Byron Buxton fanboy. I have no idea what no, to make of his 2020. The power was up. He didn't steal any bases. He had two walks and 135 plate appearances. What are we doing with Byron Buxton? Byron Buxton
2: is exactly what you just said. I think it had everything to do with the shoulder. And if you look at the last two games of the season, that's when he ran. He didn't run at all, all season. Hit had 13 home runs, I think. Um, ridiculous power, did not walk plays stellar elite center field. Look, I look back at the pedigree, man. He was the number one prospect for a number of years. When he came out of high school, he was the third pick in the draft. Um, I'm a believer. I pay for him every year. I consider him, I buy him where I can. OBP leagues, obviously, I don't pay nearly as much because of the walking, but I'm waiting for him to let loose. And if, if, if the twins let him run, then he has upside of 35 home runs and 35 stolen bases with an, in an average roto league there is that upside i mean that's the ceiling upon ceiling but <laughs> that's what i excuse me that's what i believe about him and i I'm a, I'm a believer
0: you are a believer scott anyone you'd like to ask Ian about oh yes i should have just jumped in there no it.
2: but scotty what do you think you agree with me on buxton or do you do you think it's a, a fallacy uh,
1: i think he's getting better i just don't think he's getting
2: enough better
1: fast enough
2: If The shoulder's good. okay and he runs he's going to be valuable
1: he's going to be valuable yeah but how valuable.
2: He could be a top, he could be a second round pick, third round pick next year. I, we are, we are I at
1: 130. I know we're wasting time. <laughs> we could, we, is, we could, we could, could. <laughs> All right. Okay. Joe Adele was awful. And you still <laughs> have him. Uh, where, do have him? Uh, where do you have him? Did
2: you mark it down here, Frank? 70, you have him really high.
1: 75th. How high? 75th. I don't think that high.
2: I think in the 60s, 70s. 75th. Yeah.
1: I, I guess just more broadly, when you have a prospect who comes up and is as bad as he was, mm-hmm. I mean, he loses value right, like versus not coming up at all. Mm -hmm. He's less valuable now having appeared
2: and been terrible than he was. Without question, yeah. Yeah. Without question, no, it's the best time in the world to go by Joe Adele. It's the best time in the world to go by Jordan Alvarez. It's the best time to go by Gavin Lux. Go by all those guys because they have the stuff. I think of it like this. I think of it like high school. Your freshman year in high school, when when you first come up, I think of a player as like a freshman in high school. It takes time to start to feel comfortable. It's going to take till your sophomore year. So I break it down into three, four year, three or four year things. There are guys like Brett Sayer who I trust and respect. Brett thinks that Joe Adele is the number one, pros- still the number one prospect in baseball. I attribute to that. I believe that Adele has the upside. Of course, we saw everything that he did this past year. He was terrible. Go buy him. Okay, Go buy so him no. in Dynasty. I'm going to jump cheaper. ahead of you,
1: Frank, here. Go ahead, go ahead. Kind of the opposite side of that coin. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jordan Alvarez. So you have Jordan Alvarez 58th, yeah. and you have Gavin Lux, another prospect who debuted and was terrible, 53rd. Mm-hmm. Marco Luciano, you know, way down in the system. Christian Robinson, way down in the diamondback system. You actually have those three ahead of Jordan Alvarez,
2: who... Oh, yeah, do I have A little bit
1: we've seen of him was uh, he was a monster.
2: Yeah, I was worried about the knee, just the knee. I'm worried about the knees. I did see him running on a treadmill last week uh, or two weeks ago, which was very hopeful. I had Jordan Alvarez in my top 30 um, at the beginning of last season. Yeah. Marco Luciano has to do with what you can get for him. I mean, right. the Christian Robinson has to do with what you can get for him. So if someone's looking at my dynasty list, I want them to understand what that value is, not in a roto full dynasty keeper league where you don't need no salaries. What is Marco Luciano worth? A freaking mint is what he's worth.
1: Okay, because it's it's your philosophy that if you draft the desirable prospect, you can then mm-hmm. go out and get several assets for him. So That's you're correct. drafting him to trade him,
2: basically. Yes, yes, Correct. Okay. That is correct. Uh, it is. It is. It is as much a trade board as anything. Okay. And what you can get for the player right now, today, what the player is worth today. That's how. Kind of how I think about it. It's not my favorite players or the guys that I think are going to be the best this year at all. It's about what are they worth on the market, and I'm setting a market. I'm setting a market. It's my market. Doesn't mean mm-hmm. it's the right market, but it's mine.
0: You mentioned players that you could trade for, Ian. How about Victor Robles, who you have? 85th overall. You're trying to buy low on him right now. I mean, oh, yeah. what happened in 2020? I heard I saw some beat reporters say that he he came in overweight, that he put on some like quarantine weight before he came back, and that's maybe that's why he didn't steal. But what are we doing with Victor Robles?
2: I I just I just think that he's a player that I still have belief in. He's a guy who's going to get more serious about his game, um, and is. He's a kid, man. He's a baby. He's younger than you, Frank. I mean, he's 23 years old. He's 23. So I do think that I think he's going to get play, his playing time. He's going to get his opportunity. And I think that there's still real upside there. Who's next? Only got four, two minutes left or 30 seconds.
0: Oh, we're like way over five minutes. I guess the last one I'll ask you about was, uh, was Steven Strasburg, who I asked you for five players, a couple of players that you liked and, uh, you threw him on the list. He had carpal tunnel surgery and you have him 99th in your dynasty rankings. You mentioned you just trade traded for him. Mm-hmm. It's whenever you get him coming off the injured years, that's when you get him at a discount. And, and that's when he's awesome. Usually.
2: Usually uh, look, he's a, he, when he's right, when he's healthy, he's one of the best pitchers in baseball. It's just that he's not going to be right or healthy that often. But for Garrett Hampson, for me, In August of last year, when Hampson had a good week and the guy wanted to trade for him because he had a good week, that was a good trade. And I'm happy with that trade. I'm happy with the 45% chance that he, 50% chance that he comes back fully healthy. I think it's higher than that. I think he's going to be okay. I think he's an upside play in Dynasty right now, more than in redraft. I think in redraft, he's going to be a little bit more expensive. I think that there's a discount in Dynasty on a pitcher like that. Uh, And so he's a guy, he's a guy that I like.
0: Last question that I'll ask you. Ian. Wait,
2: wait, Scott. Scott looks like he just smelled something bad. So you got something? You got a thought on Strasburg? That's just uh, that's just my regular face. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> I,
1: that's, I, I got RBF or something. I don't know.
2: No, 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 <laughs> <laughs> no. You just, you just. I was. I thought. I thought you had a, a pretty strong uh, opposing comment on Strasbourg. So.
1: Scott. Scott loves pitching. I like a quiet. Like I feel like the high-end starting pitcher is the most irreplaceable asset in fantasy right now, regardless of format. So anytime you can get him discounted because he's dealing with injury. I actually went out and acquired Justin Verlander in a dynasty league this offseason, which who knows? I mean, he's going to be basically 40 when he gets back, but I gave up like Hosmer for him.
2: And, like, ooh, whoa, 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 whoa. You big Hosmer guy? Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm going to say this right here, right now. Eric, Hos- somebody, somebody's listening to my podcast. Who made that trade with you? Uh-huh. Eric Hosmer is going to have the best five years of his career coming up. Wow! Write it down. Bold mm.
1: predictions. I
2: believe that. Here's why: when a guy has the the he again using the freshman, sophomore, junior, senior year, right? He's right smack in the middle of his junior year he's going to be, he's going to be, he's going to be great on that team. He's they, they are going to have, they're going to have a really good baseball team. They're going to have a really strong lineup. And I do believe that the launch angle shift from him. I believe in it. I think he has an upside of 30 home runs this year. I think he can hit two seventy OBP, maybe a little bit later, a little He didn't little bit sustain
1: less. it though. Ian. He didn't sustain the launch angle shift. He, he kept it up for like three weeks and then it was back to
2: the Hosmer. Revolt. The numbers were, he had a really strong year, but then he got injured. But before the injury, he was strong. Look, it's a, it's a difference of opinion. I'm a Hosmer, I'm a Hosmer guy this year. Okay? okay? To me Hosmer is a top 10 first baseman this year. Okay? Okay. Top 10 first baseman. Okay. So, but look, I we we bought Justin Verlander in our auction on Saturday night. Mm-hmm. That we're going to hold and maybe keep for 2021. So, there's upside to that.
1: Would would it make you feel any better if I got knowing that I got Verlander and a pick?
2: What's the for pick? Hosmer? What's the pick? pick. <laughs> what was the pick? It's, it's uh, probably in the 400 range overall. 400. Well, it depends on the, Can, on the format.
1: Counting keepers, counting keepers. Oh, okay.
2: Counting best. keepers. Yeah. yeah. I mean, look, Verlander has value. I just, it, it depends. Is this year? Is this the Scott White championship league? No, no, this is a score sheet league. I'm oh, score sheet league. All right. Yeah. That's score sheet league. I don't know score sheets so well. <laughs> Nando talks about score sheet, but uh, oh yeah, I think you're in, I think Nando's in that league. Was it with Nando that uh, you made the trade? I am in a score sheet league with Nando, but this is one he's
0: not in. I'm pretty that's sure that's Nando true. is in every score sheet league that was ever made. I think there are only like 90 score sheet leagues. He's in all of now. them. Because <laughs> when I worked
1: with Nando... Alex Anthopoulos used to be in a score sheet league, okay? That's their claim to fame. Hey. Uh, I,
0: used to work with, I used to work with Nando every day. He would come in. He was like, oh, Frankie, I, I'm, I'm, making a, I'm making a trade in, in score sheet. I'm, I'm making a draft pick in score sheet. I'm like, dude, how many score sheet leagues are you in? He's in so many score sheet leagues. I've been trying
2: to work with Nando on his, um, Nando's genius. Nando finds guys. Nando has belief. But Nando is like the boom or bust king of the world. He doesn't believe (laughs) in the boring. And so I've been working with him in his redraft leagues. It's like, I get it. There's great upside, but in the fifth round, we don't need the upside. Just get me some, get, let's get some numbers. Let's just get Michael Brantley is going to work great in the ninth. Oh, Brantley's no good. Come on, Brantley's boring. Yep. And that's <laughs> what you need, Nando, because you're going to find the
1: guy and you're going to find Ty France. I, I love Nando, but he sounds like the worst possible person to share
2: a team with. Because <laughs> no, he's... no, I don't. I don't share a team with Nando, but, but I, you know, but I, but I work with Nando every week. I yeah. love Nando Dufino. He's the godfather. He's I call yeah. him the godfather. He's the godfather of fantasy baseball.
0: <laughs> oh, man. Let's wrap up with this. The rear, sir. Sir, sir. I said damn, to the rear. All right. Final few questions. Get to know Ian Khan. Ian, your favorite role that you've acted?
2: On stage or on screen?
0: Uh, let's go with screen.
2: I mean, there's Washington, of course, but there was a role I played on a TV show it was my first kind of, well, it wasn't my, it was kind of my first big starring role in a television show. It was the year was 2000 and it was called bull, which is, you know, there's a show bull now on CBS that my friend, Chris Jackson who played George Washington Hamilton is one of the stars of that. I actually guest starred on. Um, but there was a show called bull back in 2000 that I was one of the stars of the show. And I played a guy named Marty Decker and it was about the, uh, the stock market. And, uh, and it was an awesome part. And if anybody wanted to watch that, I believe the first 13 episodes are on YouTube and it's fun. I really like that. I really that show. I actually showed my younger son that about a week ago, I was like, Hey, you know, I think there's something on YouTube. And he's like, that's you. God, look at you. And I was like, yeah, that's me. So I, I'm going to say, but, but at the end of the day, as much as I love Marty Decker, George Washington had more of a, more of an effect on my life for sure. Changed my life.
0: True story. I texted a buddy of mine earlier, and I said, "Oh, I'm going to have Ian Conn on the show. Have you watched anything that uh, that he's been in?" He's like, uh, "He's like, oh man, I see. He was in Bull. That's interesting." So, just it's a I random. Think he's thing. probably
2: talking about the new Bull, not the old Bull.
0: <laughs> maybe, maybe. Uh, oh, I, let me. Can I plug my podcast real quick?
2: Yeah, for sure. So the fantasy, the the athletic fantasy baseball podcast. I am lucky enough on a weekly basis to do a show with the great Nando Dufino, who has been mentioned, and the the voice himself, Derek Van Riper. Um, and we do it. We really do a fun show. We have a great time together. Uh, it's a it's an enjoyable listen. People seem to say, and they've kept us going. We're almost two years in now, and it's a it's my home, and I, I enjoy it. And dynasty rankings are at Rotowire, where I was brought in by James Anderson and Clay Link a couple of years ago. They asked me to come join in, and uh, and I enjoy being a part of their organization as well. And it's a thrill to be here on the CBS. Uh, Fantasy baseball podcast, guys. It really is, and I thank you for for welcoming me as a guest. I really do.
0: And we appreciate you coming on. Make sure you follow Ian t- on Twitter at iancon Kahn, k a h n four iancon four on Good. Twitter for Ian and Scott. I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again next week. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.